Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everyone. I hope all of you have had a great weekend. You know, it seems like summer really snuck up on us, and yet it's already one-third done. Speaking of summer, I am planning on releasing two episodes a week through the month of August, and that's only because I have enough interviews in the vault right now that limiting it to once a week would would just keep me way behind. I also want to just thank you for the reviews that you've sent so far. Um, Each review, um, uh, uh, ratings help, of course, but each time that you give a review, it just helps increase the odds of uh, Apple making us more visible. But uh, if you don't follow on Apple, anywhere that you're allowed to leave a review, uh, just encourage you to do that. We are currently, we are definitely on Stitcher. Uh, we're on Podbean. Um, you can also listen to it on YouTube You can, if you prefer to do that. Um, or directly on my website, davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Today's guest is Jennifer Alexandra Johnston, whom I call Alex. She is a cellist, and uh, the first guest I've had who is a standing member of a professional symphonic orchestra. Just in the time I've known her, at at any given point, she has played for at least four regional orchestras at the same time, maybe more. But she is down to two at the moment. She plays cello for the Winston-Salem Symphony Orchestra and the Greensboro Symphony Orchestra. There actually isn't a huge amount of crossover between musicians who play for regular orchestras and those who play in theater pits. Alex does both as often as she can, and we talk about the joys of each. Just as an apology in advance, when I interviewed Alex, the internet connection was horrible. The sound quality isn't as good as I'd prefer, and there are a few times when the buffering changes the speed of her response. She actually expressed to me off the record before we were, before we recorded that she was hoping that she didn't speak too fast considering she was from New Jersey. <laughs> and I just wanted to assure her and everyone that sometimes she is speaking a little fast just because of the nature of the internet buffering. There are also a few sections I had to cut entirely, so I'll interject to make sure that what we're talking about isn't confusing. Despite all of that... Uh, what we did get is clear, informative, and entertaining, and I think you enjoy our conversation. Here is my interview with Alex Johnston. All right, it's my pleasure today to be joined by Alex. And Alex, let's start with the most important question right off the bat. How are all your kitties doing? My kitties seem to be doing well. Um, for a while there, I was home a lot and um, they got used to me being home, but now I'm working a bit more and I'm not home and I don't think they're as happy about that, but, um, but they're, they're as good as to be expected. So, yep, they're, they're lovely. That shows that you're a true cat lover because, you know, you see all the things on Facebook and, you know, people are like the cats, the dogs are happy you're home, but the cats are, they wish you'd go away, but that's not true at all. No, it's not true. Not the kitties we have. We have good kitties. We yeah. don't have. I've got, they they try to. They act when I when I go out of town, which of course has not happened any, any lately. I come home and they're like, "Oh, you were home, you were gone." Like they try to act like they didn't miss me, but but then you know they really do. But here they're like, "Oh, good, 
the, the food person is back. <laughs> our, our food. But, uh, no, they're they're good, and they're looking at. They're giving me funny looks right now because they're like, "Why are you talking to a computer and not to us? <laughs> why Why are you doing that?" So, yep, that's just yeah. like cats. So, so just for the listeners, Alex and I, uh, we of course have a musical connection, but I think we also have an even bigger kitty connection. In fact, we share cats from the same litter. It's like she. Yep. We had a litter of five that we rescued, and uh, she took two of them. And actually, a previous uh, guest on our show, Jim Brandt, took the other one. So, oh, so yeah, you took Finn. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get to. So we got again. We got the important question out of the way. Yeah. We got. We talked yeah. about the kitties. Yeah. Um, let's talk about just uh, get you as a musician because um, unlike a lot of the musicians that I work with that are like guitarists and, you know, bassists and drums, you know, you are an orchestral musician and that's uh-huh. primarily what you've studied to do. So, uh, you play cello and let's, let's just start with uh, how old were you when you began cello and where did you go from there? I think I was, okay. I think I was eight. I started piano when I was seven and I, I started to feel like every musician should play piano first, but it really helps a lot. So I think it was just a year, maybe a year and a half after that, that um, I started cello on a Saturday morning summer program at our middle school. And my parents kind of handed me a cello and said, you know, do this. Cause I had played violin for a couple of months and thought that that was the most horrible thing I'd ever done in my life. <laughs> uh, so, but sometimes that's the person teaching you. And I was not a big fan of the gentleman who taught me. And then um, did this Saturday morning summer program and just absolutely loved it. And then when the assistant principal cellist of the uh, New Jersey Symphony came to my elementary school and to our little strings class and came and sort of did a little demonstration and worked with us, I just thought she was the most wonderful thing in the whole world and told my parents I wanted to have private cello lessons. And so I, I was eight. I could have been nine, but I'm pretty sure I was eight. So it went, went on from there. There was no stopping me. So how old were you when you first did a uh, show for theater, when you first played in a pit for a production? I did two years of high school in New Jersey, and then I came down to the School of the Arts as a junior in high school. And I'm trying to remember if I did any pit work before I came to North Carolina, and I don't remember any. So I I was either um, late high school or early college. Okay. Do you remember what uh, what show it might have been for? Um, I'm pretty sure the first one that I got to do was Company, which is still one of my most favorite shows. Were, were you so, an actor musician in that show or did, did you play it just in the, as a pit? We, I did it twice. And the first time I, we were in the back. So we were not, we were sort of on stage, but there was a curtain in between us. So um, how many, I was trying to think how many orchestras like in a normal situation, do you play for? I know you play for the Winston Salem Symphony, Greensboro Symphony, but I've seen you with like Roanoke and Savannah, yep. and and here's the first place that I'm going to interject because the internet connection got really bad. But some of the orchestras that Alex has played for at the same time as their current ones include the Roanoke Symphony, the Savannah Philharmonic, and the Carolina Chamber Symphony. And back to the rest of Alex's answer. And a few years ago, I won the audition for um, assistant principal in Greensboro. So I play everything in Greensboro and pretty much almost everything in Winston-Salem. So and then around those, I fit in 
Roanoke. I like to get up there once or twice a season if I can. And in my late 20s and early 30s, I was doing, you know, up and down in Southeast, South Carolina, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. But I'm, you know, even in the best of times, it's just that kind of traveling kind of wears on you after a while. And so I, um, I'd say mainly Winston and Greensboro these days with an occasional out of town jaunt. Right. So, yeah. And so as an orchestral musician uh, in, I guess we would call it a, a mid-market area, you, you really mm-hmm. can't, you really can't sustain a career with just an or- orchestra job. So you play for weddings I and do. Um, like if there's an opera production, you'll, mm-hmm. you tend to play for that. And of course you, you sometimes play for shows as well. So um, I just thought, describe maybe some of the differences of these situations. Like uh, let's just say playing for a, a typical Winston-Salem symphony concert versus um playing for maybe an opera and and then we'll bring that to playing for music theater okay in regular orchestra rehearsals you know you don't talk you don't besides your musical addition to everything you know if you're unless you're principal you're not really speaking you're not you're just kind of following the lead of the conductor but I would I think in theater what I like more about it is the string sections are smaller and um, I always feel like I'm more of a making more collaborative effort, I would say. Right. Um, in the pit, like for Piedmont Opera, which is also the Winston-Salem Symphony, it's kind of the same situation, except we get to work with Jamie Albritton, which is always real pleasure. <laughs> so um, I just, uh, what's different, I think, is often the service lengths are long. That two and a half hour rehearsal situation that you generally are in regular symphony stuff. But... Um, I just, it's just a real, it's a different genre. So it's fun to play something. I mean, I've always been, I mean, I never wanted to be a soloist. I've always loved orchestral repertoire and chamber music repertoire, you know, as far as classical goes. I never wanted to be a soloist. That was never, never on my radar, anything that I was, I wasn't even interested in the rep so much, even as the other rep. Um, So, but with playing with theater, you really feel like you're, you really know every, inch inch and ounce of what of the work of what you're doing you know so um i I just i think i like the more collaborative aspect so this this kind of led me thinking about a question uh and you kind of touched on it you said you didn't want to be a soloist obviously there are people in the orchestra who do and there's there's really a lot of different personality types that are gravitated to an orchestra and and I was just thinking, in your experience, what do you think like other musicians think about music theater? Well, it's funny because I think, I mean, I I just do a happy dance every time one of these orchestra orchestras programs like a Broadway pops concert. I'm just like I'm I'm giddy and thrilled, and I usually know all the soloists who are coming because I've either you know, have CDs with them, you know, having performed on it or, you know, so I, I, it's my thing and it's obvious. I mean, I just, it just brings me such joy, you know? So, I mean, not that classical music does not bring me joy. And here's the second place I wasn't able to salvage all of Alex's story, but as she was saying, uh, lots of music gives her joy, but she gets a lot of joy out of 
getting to do Broadway music and Pops concert, but as she was ex- starting to explain, not all of her uh, colleagues in the orchestra feel the same way, as is probably going to be the case with just about any kind of music. Um, but it, you can just tell some people who are there don't love it as much, you know, so. Yeah, as a, as a film composer, um, it's always been kind of the case of, you know, even talking to other composers and talking to musicians, there's always that, well, you know, there's the real music and then there's this other thing. And, but then you've got, a, you know, other people who fully get it. They'll, they'll do both or, you know, they prefer one or the other. Um, so as, you know, as a music director, it's always, it's always fun for me to find the musicians who, who can play the symphonic rep, but also love, you know, the, the world of music theater. Yeah. yeah. Um, so music theater, uh, as I've, you know, I'll be mentioning every now and then I've already mentioned it before. And it, at least in this area, it, it's not the highest pay scale of gigs. It's probably actually close to one of the lower pay scales, yeah, at least cool. per service. Yeah. I mean, you make up for it in that you get a lot of services most of Correct. the time. Yeah. So, um, but what, what is it about? Uh, so you like, lo- you love the collaborative, um, aspect of theater is there are there other aspects about playing in theater that that make that make it they make you do your happy dance um okay well i definitely think the smaller ensemble sizes are, makes it feel more like jam music which is fun because we don't get nearly as many opportunities to jam music either but often those small ensembles even if they're theater ensembles feel like you're really connecting with the people around you um and for me I was, I mean, I grew up in a family with parents who thought that, you know, classical music was mostly, you know, the only music that was worth listening to. And with a very few exceptions, like my dad loved big band music. My mom, you know, was open to other things, but I had, I have an older sibling who was a big fan and is a big musical theater, my sister, Nancy. And I would say that it's her fault that I love musical theater as much as I do because she had, um, she had many LPs in the house of, of cast recordings. And, uh, my father was a total hi-fi stereo dude. And we were not supposed to touch the turntable, the Thorns, the beautiful Thorns turntable. But after school, I would go home and put, um, you know, put LPs on, um, and literally, you know, listen to chorus line and dance around my living room, you know, Last interjection, here's where Alex talks about she finally got to go see the chorus line thanks to her sister. She wrote in the card that she had to tell my parents who would cover my ears during the naughty bits mm. of chorus line. Right. <laughs> but um, but that was just, a, that was just an, one of the first things that I got, you know, got to see on Broadway, which was just amazing. So, and I have also have a, a funky memory of um, dropping the needle and on and off to Greece so I could write down all the lyrics to um, We Go Together. So I could learn how to write Wabalubabababam, but now can't even say it. But uh, <laughs> you know, literally, because there were no lyrics on the liner notes, so I had to write them down and figure them out myself. You know? So very totally musical theater nerd type thing to do when you're, you know, I don't know, 12 or something. So Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, how are the rehearsal processes different for doing your various gigs, such as the symphony or an, an opera or musical theater in your experience? Okay. 
I would say that um, with a theater show, the rehearsals, the services are longer and there's more downtime because they're usually more moving parts than when you're on a strict two, symphony two and a half hour service rate. Um, you know, you really, the conductor is the be all and end all and has worked it all out. Whereas with theater, theater you often have more moving parts. You have your music director, but then you've also got often tech issues. I mean, they're just usually many more things that, that kind of make it move a little bit more slowly, but you also, I do a lot more of, um, proper marking up of my parts and with musical theater. And, um, and I think that I'm trying to remember how I learned how to properly mark an opera score or a musical theater. And I really don't know where I learned except from doing it. But, um, Barty boots has come into the, he is, here saying hello hello Barty. <laughs> um but uh and i'll just interject so, to say you are you are the queen of the of the sticky notes uh, the, i am the queen of the sticky notes yeah that's because you i would say if i have a if i have a nightmare scenario with theater it was it's coming into like trying to cover for somebody on a show or two who has not properly prepared their part as far as, okay, the conductor's in two here. It says it's in four, but they're in two. Uh, this vamp is usually two bars, but sometimes it's four, you know, and I'd say there's a lot more flexibility with theater that things you need to prepare for as far as you often, you just have to roll with the punches. You know, it's, it's never going to be the same way twice. Exactly. And that, that's also what's, kind of i find is exciting about it you know so somebody in you know a, a, or a regular orchestra person might be like but that was only two bars last night i'm like yeah you don't know the, the 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 cast member might not have been able to get into their dress you know and you're so we're still vamping because they have to get their quick change before they can get back on stage so i think there you have to learn how to be more flexible and roll with it Exactly. Yeah. One of my favorite questions that I always get asked as a music director is uh, how many times are we playing this vamp? And I was like, well, it depends on if they remember their line, if they deliver their line at the same speed, uh, Mm -hmm. if they get into their costume. Yeah. There's so many factors. And, And I think that's the first thing that people who are used to being musicians, but not used to playing in theater have to understand and have to kind of adjust their mindset to that. Everything is flexible. (laughs) And I've, and I've still been in situations even with, with opera where I have people around me who don't get it. I'm like, you, they, she still has to get off stage and I don't know, get that different headdress on or whatever. I mean, so, and they kind of, they don't, they can't sort of wrap their head around the fact that it's live theater because generally when you have a conductor that those things aren't changed, you know, when you're just in in a symphony concert, those things rarely come up unless a soloist, you might have a, a a guest, you know, soloist who has a memory slip and, but then generally they have to find you because you can't expect 70 people to, you know, find you, you have to find, you know, you have to find where the orchestra is some sort of situation where in theater, you do have to jump. You're like, Oh, they, they jumped in early there. We have to jump and figure out where you are. You know, yes. Um, yeah. So that was definitely that's definitely a learning curve issue that maybe not all symphonic musicians um, know how to do right off the bat. Right. Um, you know, there's several ages of theater. You have kind of the, you know, what's known as before Oklahoma, but then uh-huh. Oklahoma kind of starts the. I don't know, the golden age of theater, like people like to think of it. Yeah. But uh, in, you know, back then, pits were. 20, 30 
upper thirties, maybe even approaching 40 in some of those Broadway pits. And nobody writes like that anymore. Occasionally you'll get a throwback show that'll put the pit in the twenties. But even with the advent of rock musicals, uh, in my experience, cellos still get quite a few opportunities to play. Mm -hmm. Has that been your experience? I'd say, and we, and with, um, you know, the whole, I sort of think of Rodgers and Hammerstein, it's, you know, generally what we've got is oompa oompa, you know, and occasionally we get a melody, you know, thrown at us, but it's never, it's not as thoughtful, I would say, as what we get now with modern musicals, you know, which, which is, is fun, you know, and intriguing to, you'll often get more stuff to do. So, um, but I still love those old Rodgers and Hammerstein and Rodgers and Hart shows though, you know, they are still, Wonderful. But then again, there's Sondheim. Ah, Sondheim. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well. There are, yeah, there are so many good shows that that featured cello now. And I know like we've done three of them together. We've done spring yep. awakening next to normal and fun home. Yep. And, uh, and I imagine those are, those are just great books to play. Yeah. And, they, they, uh, all three of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just recently, I, I finally took the time to listen to Dear Evan Hansen, and uh-huh. that's a that's a great string section. It is. We did some. Um, I I had the CD, but I I don't know it. You know, know it, know it yet. Right. Um, and I we've done a, a I've done a few excerpts um, in some pop shows, and I had a lot to do, and I was surprised. I was <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I got to look there. Whoa, okay, pay attention. Right. You know, something to do, but yep. Um, what's the most difficult book you played? Last five years. Ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which also is is one of my top, Jason Robert Brown, top of the line, exciting. And it, it really is one of my most favorite shows, but it is definitely the most difficult show. I mean, it is it is really tough. And this the I mean, I think what's so also so wonderful about that show is the instrumentation is um, you know. Piano, upright bass, guitar, one violin, two celli. Right. I think that's it. And yeah. it makes for this really dark, lush, sonoric. Um, it's, it's just in velvet, you know, and it's just um, it's I, I mean, anything that has one violin and two cellos wins in my book anyway. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's it's it is definitely the most difficult book I've played, but also one of my most favorite. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that's just a great show, you know, just the structure of it. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of those shows that, you know, I always I, I want to do as a music director, but it's it, it's an unorthodox show. It only requires two people. So you don't really audition for it. You right. you find two cast members that are interested. They get a mm-hmm. director. That director usually just asks the music director and and then, you know, as a music director who really wants to do it, it's like I'm finding out about it being in process <laughs> yeah, and it's a hard keyboard book oh it yes is, uh, such a hard keyboard book too yes so i've done two jason good. robert brown so uh, oh, what what the, what's the other one what else have you done well, well i haven't done that one i've done parade oh, okay. and i did uh songs of a new world oh gotcha okay yeah. gotcha just yeah. another another great one but that one's a, yeah. that was a small pit yeah um have uh, one show that i just came across recently have you ever heard of Peter Pan, a musical adventure? It's uh, the the music is written by George Stiles and lyrics by Anthony Drew. Have you are you familiar with that one? Um, I I think I'm only 
familiar with the original Peter Pan. Yeah, this was one I just came across, and and I was just wondering if you'd played it because I think uh, it might rival the last five years as the oh, most really? difficult book. Yeah, because okay. I had to do I had to do some kind of demo uh, arrangements, uh, you know, to to put on a track with mm-hmm. with some of those songs, and. Uh, and the cello book is pretty insane. I mean, it's going up into treble clef at the top of the staff. It also calls mm-hmm. for an electric cello <laughs> that oh, you have okay. to switch from uh, back and forth. Wow. The, the music is actually pretty good. But, yes, uh, Peter, Peter Pan, Pan and, an uh, adventure, a musical adventure by an George Stiles is from 2002. Huh. Interesting. I will look it up. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Um, but, yeah, and, and unfortunately, okay. there's, you know, that. That would be a tough. Well, it's actually it's an eight-person pit, so it is potential something that could be that could be done. But every part would look difficult. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it looks like it could be a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah I was just finding out if you if you'd played that, what you would have thought of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what are uh, you, you don't have to name the show or the theater, but what is a yeah. horror story that you have from your experience in the theater? Uh, I. I, I I think I touched on touched on it already. It was sitting in um, on a show where, I mean, I think a lot of musicians, a lot of orchestral musicians, I've met people who think that you don't need to write th- things in, that you should not write stuff in your part, you know, that, um, so it was a, basically the book was just not prepared as far as how many, you know, account off cues coming out of vamps. So I basically had very little to go on and I was lost and, I hate I, the worst thing is playing a live show and being lost. Right. You know? So it was really, um, I think when you're, I mean, maybe this is good for other people to hear that if you're, if you're going to be filling in for somebody when they're going to be out on a, on a day, a certain day, sitting with them in the pit for a show uh, for another, you know, a performance the day before something and following along is, is really helpful because then you can make notes for yourself. Like if something doesn't, if you know, big number four, um, you know, if it's supposed to be in two, but the conductor is going to do it in four, you need to write, write down that for yourself so that you have that information. You can mark it in later because if you don't have information like that to help you, it, you just, it's, it's just very disconcerting. Right. You know? And probably yeah. on the flip side, if you're, the principal player for a show and you know, you're going to have to have a substitute. You have to remember your notes can't just make sense to you. They got to be really clear to your sub. And I'll, and I've been known to write things in like, um, you know, like even the feel of it, like what sort of, if it's like a, you know, I've, I played, um, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. The Steve Martin, Oh, uh, bright star. I played bright star and, most of it is kind of like a rodeo kind of, you know, two feel, but, um, the ones that were not, I would give myself a clue as to what the, what the style of it was, because then you can feel whether it, cause if you don't know if the piano has, is starting off with eighth notes or quarter notes, and you, sometimes you just can't tell where the big beat is as you've got somebody leading from, um, you know, often your music director is leading from the keyboard. So you don't have somebody, specifically conducting you so you can't tell what the beat pattern is and and that so that's why you need to give your you know especially if you have somebody subbing for you you need to be really clear about helping them you know if you're capped count four bars of rest and you can't tell if you're in two or four you know you're out of luck 
what is a fond memory or, or one of the most fond memories you've had from a show or even what's a favorite show that you've done? Um, well, I, I would say last five years, even though it's so hard um, and I've done it, been lucky enough to do it twice. But I would say any show, especially if it's a show that, you know, inside and out before you even get to the rehearsal process, if it's just a work that you have admired, it it is just it's so hard. It's so fulfilling to get to perform a work like that, especially if you've admired it for so long. So I would say um, the, in the first rehearsal I sat down in for the last five years and I was the first time I had met these people who are now the the, the two characters who are now very dear friends of mine. Um, they were just laughing at me because I was singing every lyric and <laughs> I'm like, nobody knows the show. I'm like, Oh, I do. I do. Um, but also the other show, um, was, um, light in the piazza, which is one of, um, by Adam Gettle, which is also one my, that was another piece that I had just admired. And when Piedmont opera programmed that, I can't remember how many years ago it was. I was just beside myself with happiness. I mean, and you, I like cry in the same places every night, even though you know exactly what's coming. Cause it's just so beautiful and heart wrenching. Uh, I know you people know, so in New it. York that, that know Winston, the name Winston Salem, just because of that, because show. Of that show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a brilliant move by the opera company to program. So, yeah. Um, so what, what advice might you give cello students uh, before they consider playing in a pit for a, for a show for musical theater? Um, if they know, if, if it's something they get assigned and they're not acquainted, I, I mean, see, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I mean, even saying by the CD is very old school, but listen to it, listen to that show. And if you have your part even better, but just get familiar it's just a completely different way of thinking, I guess. And, um, you, if you, you don't, it's not something, I mean, I mean, I have very good sight reading skills, but your sight reading skills are not going to, we almost made it last interjection. Sight reading skills are important, but they're not enough when you have to be flexible. You know, if you're not familiar with it. So that's what I would say is, and if they're just, if there's, I mean, dear Evan Hansen, you know, these, these teens love that show. And I hope that'll turn a lot of teens onto learning more about musical theater. Right. Um, so, cause I, I feel like people relate to that information and, you know, maybe people, kids, kids who have never really been exposed to musical theater before have really fallen in love with that show. So maybe that'll, um, turn on the next generation, you know? Right. I'm going to assume that Dear Evan Hansen is probably one of the answers to this question, but what are some of the bucket list shows that you haven't played that you'd love to play? Um, yeah, I don't actually, I don't know it well in it enough to put that on my list yet, but okay. that doesn't, I don't want to, but, um, Sweeney Todd yes. is definitely, definitely on my bucket list. Um, I did a very, um, I, like I did like a high school, um, theater program version of West Side Story, which was not really the real thing. So I really would like to do a proper West Side Story. Um, right. Also brilliant writing, just brilliant, brilliant. Um, so yeah, toward the end of last year, I finally, for the first time, listened to the original Broadway recording of that. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, and the thought came to my mind that this really should be included on like top 10 lists of the best American albums of the 20th century yeah, regardless absolutely. of the genre it's just very yeah, good it really is wonderful and um i mean and other i mean i've never done i mean other like bernstein shows too like on the town i would love to do i mean i've done symphonic 
dances from on the town, but I, that, um, or lonely town, um, any of those. And, and I've done as far as con sometimes that I've done, I've done company at least twice. I've done merrily. We will, we will roll along, which is also, I think a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, I've done Sunday in the park with George, which is also one of my most favorite, you know, the first, I mean, it didn't do so well in Broadway, I think because the first act is so brilliant and the second act doesn't, isn't quite as brilliant as the first act, but right. um, so others and other sometimes I've done into the woods. So anything else on time that I have not done, I would like to do. <laughs> okay. Well, I think there's a lot out there actually. So yeah, there are, yeah, there are, there are, um, I mean, I've seen, like I got to see passion on Broadway with Donna Murphy. That was one of the, like another one of those amazing experiences that I got to see. And, um, my sister and my aunt were, had went to see something else. And I went to see passion by myself. And I walked out of the theater, I remember walking out of the theater and just like, just could not stop crying for hours and hours as it was just such an, uh, so such an impactful show, you know? And I, I think a lot of people don't know that show, you know? I mean, as far as Sondheim, it's not like it pops to people's mind when they talk about Sondheim, you know, but it really is, really is brilliant. No. Yes. And so, but so it sounds like you have a lot of shows that you can look forward to at some point if, yeah. as soon as we get back to doing live theater around here again. <laughs> yeah. So, again, just kind of reminding my listeners, I'm recording these episodes in advance. Uh, so it's kind of hard to know what the situation is going to be like, but probably a safe bet that we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And yeah. uh, what is, um, what are, do you have things lined up that you plan to do any shows? I mean, even uh, outside of theater. Um, well, the, the next things I'm supposed to be, I mean, it's very possible that I'm going to be doing another last five years, a socially distant version of last five years, um, late this summer, if possible. Um, it's, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how possible it's going to be, but there's, there's, some chat about that. I have a, um, I have a Greensboro Symphony Pops show for the music of Queen, which I'm super excited about, but it's scheduled, I think, for August 21st, and I'll be shocked if that actually happens. Oh, yeah, two things. Like, Matthew Morrison of, you know, Glee fame and Light, Light in the Piazza fame, we were supposed to do um, Greensboro Symphony of Pops concert with him in the new Tanger Center in April, um, and that was of course postponed until September, but now I'm, I'll be surprised if we have it in September, you know, too. And I'm supposed to play a show with sting in December mm -hmm. and which also I, you know, been doing my happy dance about, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, um, you know, sting and Matthew Morrison and, in, 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 you know, one season that would just be incredible. But I, I don't know. I don't know how likely either of those things would be, you know? Right. So, but I'll, I'm trying to not be, too cautiously hopeful, but hope that they do happen at some point. Yep. Yeah. We're, we're all hoping. Uh, yeah. So I guess the thing is, is we're, we're waiting and we're waiting, but I have the feeling it'll be once we open up the arts again, it'll be like mm -hmm. a dam bursting forth. Cause I think people are going to realize how much they missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think so too. And, and I have to say, I think people have been very generous, um, with the symphonies, you know, people understanding that those of us who are trying to make our living doing this, um, they have, a lot of them have, you know, donated their ticket, the, instead of wanting a refund of tickets of concerts that haven't happened, have been donating it towards music, towards paying musicians. I mean, there, we have done, there were, people were very, very generous, both at Winston and Greensboro with that. So that shows me that those people, you know, get it yes. and understand how important it is. Um, 
but it, yeah, you never know. But it'll be interesting to see in the fall what what happens in the fall, if anything. You know, I'm I'm sort of thinking maybe January, you know, sort of kind of at the earliest is what my because just you know just certain things you can do socially distantly, but if you have to have people sit every other seat or every third seat in a theater, it's not, it's, it's not financially feasible, you know, for the, for the, the theater itself, you know, can't, you uh, can't pay for right. that. So, and our, on our brand new Tanger, Tanger theater, <laughs> Tanger art center in Greensboro that we did, we got one rehearsal in and then that was it. That was on March 14th. And that was, that was the last symphony thing we had right um so alex where can people follow you if they want to just see more about uh what you're doing um well i i i have instagram and twitter which i don't use but i i do use facebook pretty regularly and um i'll warn everybody my posts usually have to do with music and or cats yes um but they can look me up um it's jennifer alexandra johnston so very long i have a very long name and that he and the last name is is um, is very important. So, yes. yes. But yes. Uh, but that, but but you know if they want to you know when things are when we're performing, I'm usually you know putting happy happy things about what I'm performing at the time being. So they're yeah. willing to follow me there. Yes, happy and to- sometimes those are things like pictures of you with Yo Yo Ma and <laughs> I know. whichever I know. big star you've played with. Yeah, um, I got to play in one weekend actually i got to play with sarah brightman and then the day after with michael buble wow and that buble show was actually up there with the Oyoma show and uh, as far as but my some of my most amazing performances he is a not not just an amazing artist but an extremely kind thoughtful uh really sensitive human being and so that, that was a real real joy real yeah. joy and also the mandolinists of uh punch brothers oh, yeah. There's that, that Chris Thiele. Good old Chris. Well, uh, in spite of our, our technical problems, just when we recorded this, uh, I, I thought it was a great chat and, uh, Alex, so thank you for joining me. My pleasure. And that wraps up episode number six. This Friday, I will be sharing my interview with Brian Blauk. He's the second Reeds player that we've had on the show, but the first time that we'll actually be taking a deeper dive into the Reeds section itself and even what that term Reeds means. And uh, we'll also get into the world of being a pit musician who travels on a set of national bus tours that goes to nearly every state in the U.S. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next... Be sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Life in the Pit Pod. You can also follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or on Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thanks to Mark Parolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. All original music is composed and performed by David Lane for the time being. You can find out more about this podcast at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast or at our Podbean page, lifeinthepit.podbean.com. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast and share with your friends. Thank you for listening.